Jesus in John chapter nine, he encounters this man who is born blind. And just like every miracle he performs, they're all amazing. But this one, I think, probably is more unique, maybe a little weird. It's hard to even understand why he does it the way he does it. But he performs an amazing miracle for a man that was born blind. Just consider this for a minute. Here's a guy that was rejected, pretty much abandoned, left to his own. Has spent his whole life never seeing a thing. Never Never had seen a sunset, never had seen the wind blowing in the trees, had never seen roses in full bloom, had never seen the hot now light at Krispy Kreme. That's, and that's living right there, man. I mean, that's special. That's a special moment to me. I'm sorry. I just had a moment right there. But moving on. He's been blind since he's been born. And here's the deal. I've never been blind in my physical eyes. But if I'm being honest and real with you this morning, there's a lot of other areas of my life where I've been blinded. How about, how about you? Maybe from life itself, the things that caught you off guard or you never expected to happen. And maybe for you, it's, it's worry and fear. For some of us in the room, worry and fear has been the biggest thing that has kept you from the purpose that God had in your life. For, for some of us, it's the pressures of life. You, you know, you're, you're the person in the room right now that you're here, but your mind is already thinking about everything you got to do just to get to Monday morning. You've already flipped the notes over and you started making your grocery list. You're worried about what you got to do. You got to get the house clean, the, the bills that are due. It, it, just the pressures of life, you, it doesn't feel like you can keep up. Or, or here, I talk about this a lot because it's one that I deal with so much. Comparison. Comparison. Maybe it's not trying to keep up, but it's trying to measure up. You, you view your life in light of everybody else around you. You know, as I was just looking over my notes yesterday afternoon, I heard the sound of my neighbor's mower going. And I knew that was wrong. We've lived next to Ron for a few years now, and I got a great, he, man, he's a good guy. We love talking baseball and sports. He's got this huge collection. I've never seen a collection of baseball memorabilia like this guy, Ron. Incredible, fills this whole room. And, but Ron is, he's one of these guys, I don't know if you have a neighbor like Ron, but Ron lives for the weekend when it comes to taking care of his yard. He is a weekend warrior, man. I mean, I'm not kidding. I think Ron's favorite t-shirt is the one he wears out to mow his grass. Man, that thing, it's got holes all in it. He's probably been wearing it for 15 years. I mean, it's just, and, and we've got this joke because there's no keeping up with Ron. As a matter of fact, Jen has just made it this big joke in our house. He, oftentimes we get home from church on Sunday, Ron is out doing his grass and Jen will text me. She'll say, I just want to warn you, Ron's out mowing right now. And when I walk inside, she, she'll give me that look like, Come on, you're going to keep up with Ron? I mean, what are you going to do? Get out there and mow your grass? No, I'm going to take a nap. That's what I'm going to do on Sunday afternoon. I'm not trying to keep up with Ron. But here's the deal. In so many of areas of our life, we've based our success and our worth and our value on somebody else that doesn't really matter. And it's blinded us from everything that's truly important in our life. But this guy is physically blind. And I believe God wants to speak to us through these seven verses Man, if you're hearing it for the first time, just let this sink in this morning. John 9, verse 1, it says this. As Jesus went along, 
I'm going to come back to that because it's a powerful thought. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Notice how weird that is because we'll get back to that. Jesus is there to heal a guy, and the disciples are worried about the sin in his life. He says this, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse 5, he says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he says, after saying this, he spit. This is where the story gets kind of weird. All right? A little unconventional. He could have just spoke. It could have just happened. But Jesus goes to the ground and, and he spits on the ground made some mud with the saliva, come on, Jesus, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. There's there's a lot more in this passage. You could read it later, but I just want to focus on these seven verses, dive into a few thoughts that I believe can impact our week as as we kick off a new week here. I think there's three things that I notice when I look at the beginning of this story. If you're taking notes, number one is this, is that God's heart is for people. God's heart is for people. You know, we could just read this passage and just skip right over this thought, but I think it's so powerful. It says there at the beginning, it says, as Jesus went along, he saw a man. Here's the deal. Jesus wasn't heading for this man. Jesus was heading along his way. Think about it. How many people over the 30 plus years of this guy's life had just passed him by and left him as no good and not worth anything? Yet Jesus, traveling along, doesn't see people as an opportunity to help him. He sees people as an opportunity to step into their world. Here's the deal is I think oftentimes, if we're being honest and being real, if you're like me, you're more focused on the places you're heading instead of the people that you're heading there with. Sometimes I'm so focused on the task. What do I need to get done that I forget about the people that God has actually strategically placed in my life for me to minister to them? So often we only think about people when they can do something for us. Are you like me? Was, was here recently. I, I was heading to a wedding on a, a Friday afternoon and I knew I was going to be in Tampa and I knew there was a family that I wanted to visit. And so I made plans to stop by St. Joe's Children's Hospital before I was heading to the wedding. I'd give myself plenty of time. I, I visited with the family and, and their child and I was leaving the hospital. I had about a 15 to 20 minute drive to get where I was going, the, the ceremony. And it was about 50 minutes until the wedding was going to start. I was good. I had a few extra minutes, but I got to to my car in that parking garage. And when I turned over my key, nothing happened. Let me tell you, my heart sank and then it started beating out of my chest. First thing I knew to do, and I don't know why, I picked up the phone and I called Jen. (laughs) Jen. There's absolutely nothing you can do for me right now. But I just wanted you to have anxiety and worry with me. It'll make me feel better. 
<laughs> I said, I said, no, Jen, I need, I need you to pray for me. I don't know what to do. My car won't start. And if I miss this wedding, I'm sure their whole life is going to be ruined. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, I got to get there. And while I'm talking to Jen, I see an angel show up in the form of three college students walking down this parking garage. That's right. I got the saddest face I could possibly get. And I made way my, I said, Jen, I got to let you go. These people are going to help me. I walked over there. I say, guys, it is so good to meet you. How are you doing today? Uh, I, I said, I, I know this is really inconvenient, but I need, I need some help. I desperately need some help. Is there any way that you could help me jump my car? They immediately looked at me with reluctance, like they were going to keep moving. I said, no, 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 I, I'm sorry. I posed it first in a question, but then I kind of got a little more urgent. I said, I'm so sorry. This is a desperate situation. I did everything of sh- short of getting their keys out of their purse and going and getting their car. I said, no, I really need you to help me. And those precious angels, those college students, they did exactly as I needed them to do. Man, they went and got their car. I stopped everybody that was trying to get through. I, I shut that parking garage down for a minute, everybody. And I got that car started. But here's what I know. If I didn't need those guys in that moment, I probably would have never paid any attention to them. Let me ask you, how many people in your life has God strategically placed around you that God's not waiting for you to need them? He's waiting for you to look out and see how you can bless them and encourage them and speak into their life. It says, as Jesus went along, he saw a man born blind. God, give us a heart for people. God, give us a heart for people. The second thing I notice is this, is that God has mercy for our mistakes. God has mercy for our mistakes. Anybody thankful in the room that God has mercy for your mistakes? You know, sometimes I think I get up here on stage and I just vomit my struggles, you know, but I, I know this is that confession is good for the soul, but is bad for the reputation. And while I'm having this moment, let me just let you know that I did get pulled over by the police this week. I handed over the drugs. Everything is okay. Listen. I had boy night, man, and, and I was hanging out with the boys. We had dinner. I was coming back a road, you know, and I was driving with traffic, just like you drive with traffic. I was heading a road down I, at, uh, that I travel way too often, not thinking about where I was going, and there was a speed trap set up, and the guy pulls out, and I don't know how you are when, when you get, it's been a long time. I can't even remember, and I wouldn't want to tell you the last time I've been pulled over, but it's been a long time, and immediately I see him fly out into traffic. He turns his lights on. He speeds right up for me. And, and you're probably like, I am. The first thing you do when you see the lights come on is you slam on your brakes. It's just instinct. And by the time you can actually look at the speedometer, you're driving the speed limit. Right? So by the time I get there, I have fully justified in my mind that I was not speeding. I don't care what your radar said. I get over and this precious, I mean, just an angel of an officer, man. I mean, what, just an, I don't know his name, but he was a nice guy. He said, man, we're doing a speech route. We've heard that people kind of go fast through here. He said, you're about going about 10 miles over the limit. And, and I, he said, hand me your license. And as, he, as he's doing that, you know, I'm telling, I told the boys on our way, I said, guys, look as sad as you can. When he gets here, look as sad. <laughs> just, 
look like you're pitiful, like you hadn't eaten in a long time. Like, just like life is rough. And I went to go get my registration. He said, I don't need your registration. I said, man, this is just a check, man. We just, just, just want to encourage you. Stay at the speed limit. He handed back my license. He walked away. I looked back at my boys. I said, guys, that's what it looks like when you're living right, right there. You know what I'm saying? You get let go. No, that's not what I said at all. I said, guys, that's mercy in a picture right there. It's not getting what I do deserve. It's not getting. Are you thankful that you didn't get what you deserve so many times in your life? Man, I'm thankful for the mercy of God. And here's what's crazy about this story is that Jesus shows up to heal this man. And the disciples treat this guy like he's a case study in a laboratory. Well, Jesus, help us understand here, uh, you know, who sinned in this situation? I mean, you got this guy born blind. Did he sin or did his parents sin? They totally, they totally missed it. They, Jesus went to heal a man. And they're more worried about God's theology. Can I tell you, every time we're so worried about, about being right instead of getting it right, we totally miss God's heart. When we're so worried about making sure that we've got everything exactly the way God has it in Scripture, as opposed to really caring about people, we've missed God's heart. Man, let's be people that love, that love people extravagantly and compassionately. Let's recognize their opportunity that time is short. I didn't read the, the fourth verse, but it says this. As long as it is day, Jesus says, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. You know what he's saying is, focus on what really matters in your life. I mean, there'll be another day to worry about the, the, the silly things that don't matter, but focus on people. Man, give mercy the way God has given mercy to you. Third point is this, is understand this. And I think there's a word for somebody today. Is that know this, in the middle of your pain, God has a purpose. In the middle of your pain, God has a purpose. He says, I I can imagine, I can imagine what this blind guy is thinking. He's like, disciples, who cares who sinned? I've sinned, my parents sinned, we've all sinned. As a matter of fact, I'm about to kill you and sin again. You know what I'm saying? Just just leave Jesus alone and let him heal me. He goes on though and he says, Jesus says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Can I tell you this morning is that when good things happen in your life is a good time to praise God. When bad things happen in your life, it's a good time to praise God. And when things happen that you can't explain on this side of eternity, it's a good time to praise God. Here's what I know. When I change my perspective and I realign my values and what really matters and I place God above everything, it gives me new perspective for the struggles that I'm going through. When I see my blindness in light of how good God is and how faithful he is and the promise of eternity in heaven with him, it helps me get through the struggle I'm going through. I love what Paul says in Romans 8. He says this. He says, we know that in all things, God works for good. Those who love him, 
of those whom he has called according to his purpose. I just want to, I just want to say to somebody today that you're struggling. You feel like God's left you. You feel alone. You feel abandoned. Man, that God is with you. I don't know what your blindness is today. I don't know what your heartache is, what your struggle is. But man, don't turn your back on God. Walk with him. I love David. In Psalm 63, he says this, God, your unfailing love, look what he says, is better than life. Some of you need to write that down this week and take it with you. And just put it in your car and remind yourself that your unfailing love, God, is better than the traffic on 75. God, your unfailing love is better than my broken marriage. Your unfailing love is better than the things I don't understand, than the pain in my body, than the ache in my heart, than the situation I'm going through. I, I think the, the blind man, he would share with us two things this morning. I want to give them to you before we go this today, just to encourage us, because I love what happens next in the story. And I think that he would remind us with, with two simple thoughts. Number one is this. If you're taking notes, number one, trust God even when you don't understand. Trust God even when you don't understand. Can you imagine? I mean, just put yourself in the story. I know it was a long time ago. Put yourself in the story for a minute. The guy, he's on the edge of the road. His life's broken. He can't see a thing. And a man shows up and spits in the ground. He hears the spit. He's probably been spit on many times by people. And then he hears the sound of, of mud being, dirt being rubbed together. And the first thing he feels is, is dirt on his face. I'm sure the guy was thinking, man, what is this, a practical joke? Like, what, what is somebody, it's just another person trying to ruin my life. Let me tell you today, I think he would say, trust God even when you don't understand how it's all going to work out. While he doesn't understand, Jesus, he's doing doing something brand new in this guy's life. He's making mud pies and new eyes, man. I, I mean, he's about to turn this guy's life around. And I'm telling you. You might not know how it's all going to work out or how God's going to work out the situation in your life, but you can trust him. You can trust him. I've said this many times, but I think there's three powerful things we need to know when we're walking through a season that we don't understand. Number one is this. No matter what I'm going through, God is in control. God is in control. Your situation hasn't caught God by surprise. God is in control. Number two is this. You won't be where you are forever. Here's the way I feel, and I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I'm going through a season of discouragement or I don't have an answer to a situation, it feels like a black hole, man. It feels like I'm never coming out. And I realize this, you know what? God works great with eight hours of good sleep. I find that I wake up and I realize the scripture is true that there's new mercy for tomorrow. There's new grace for today. Eat a good meal and get some good sleep and watch God work. Trust God, even with the struggles of my life. Number three is this. There's something you're gonna learn in your current situation that you couldn't learn any other way. That God not only is taking you through what you're going through, 
But God's writing a beautiful story. And he wants to redeem your pain and give purpose to your pain. Trust God even when you don't understand. Number two is this. Have faith to follow through. Have faith to follow through. And this, I would say, of these seven verses is the most powerful to me. You could read them on the surface and just pass right over them, but understanding the context of what is going on makes this scripture so powerful. I love this. Look, look with me. John 9, verse 7, the Living Bible says this. Jesus said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, we could, just, we could just glance right over that, but knowing what is going on and where they're at, where they're at is so powerful. They're, they're near the temple in Jerusalem. They're, they're in the middle of a feast as well. And so the streets are crowded. I mean, there's no more camel parking anywhere. I mean, I'm telling you, it's just people everywhere. You know what the scene looks like as I was reading and studying this week? It, if you could imagine, it's, it's kind of like, Wiregrass Mall on Black Friday. It's a place you just don't want to be, you know? I mean, just shoulder to shoulder people. People are scurrying about. There's stuff going on. And Jesus says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The only thing about that is that the pool of Siloam is over a half mile away in the southernmost part of Jerusalem. And he's talking to a blind guy. You know, the disciples, I can imagine they're sitting there going, wait, Jesus, he's blind. Just, just do it right now. Just, no, right here. Do it right here. But he says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And here's the power of the story. Verse seven. So the man went. So the man went where he was sent and washed and came back seeing. Can I tell you this this morning? Is that God wants to do a miracle in your life, but he's looking for people that are willing to take a step of obedience. That are willing to walk down the road that's inconvenient and we don't understand. Let me tell you, obedience is trusting God and having the courage to follow through. Let me say it one more time because it's really good. Obedience is trusting God and having the courage to follow through. Right now, in just a minute, we're gonna go out there and we're gonna celebrate people that have the faith to trust God and the courage to follow through in baptism. And listen, it feels weird, man. You're going in a pool and getting all wet and coming out. What makes sense about that? Except that Jesus told us to do it. And let me tell you, just like that man, as he dipped his eyes in the pool of Siloam, I believe there's people that are going to come and they're going to dip their whole body in that pool and they're going to walk out and they're going to see again and they're going to have new life again. And God is going to change their lives forever today as we celebrate. Can you, can you imagine what it was like as this man dipped his eyes in that pool and he saw for the first time and he made his way back. I can imagine he was talking to every single person he saw. Man, you got to see this guy. He's the miracle man with the miracle mud. I mean, man, he's the man. His life changed forever. Why did it change? Because he was willing to take a step of obedience. What's, what's holding you back today? 
what fear is wreaking havoc in your life. For some of you, the step of obedience you need to take is to have a conversation with somebody in your life that's broken, a relationship that's broken. There's unforgiveness in your heart. For some of you, you need to take a step today that says, God, I'm not going to ignore you anymore. I'm going to start reading your word every day, spending time with you, singing a song, listening to worship, and investing my life in everything you have for me. Some of you today, you need to take a step. And so, you know what, family? We're going to start eating dinner together at the table, and we're talking about the good things God is doing in our life. Where are you? Some of you husbands and wives need to have a conversation, humble yourself and say, I'm sorry for the way I've been living and acting. I humble myself and get it right before you and your spouse and before Jesus and watch what God will do. He'll do a miracle in your life. It will just take a step. I love what David writes as we close in Psalm 27. Let it be an encouragement for you today. He says, here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. And as we close today, would you just just bow your heads in prayer? There is somebody in this room right now and I don't know who it is I just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to me that somebody walked in the in the room today and because of the cares of your life you feel like God has has left you maybe failed you you feel alone honestly you're just disappointed I know this, the power of the Holy Spirit wants to just breathe new life into you, into your spirit, into your heart, into your mind. Maybe you've been walking around completely blindsided by life, anxiety, fear, worry, heartache, depression. Today is a day for your eyes to be open, to see again to see again to believe again to take a step of faith and watch God work in your life come on would you just respond to God right now pour out your heart before God let him speak to you come on it's just you and Jesus right here just a holy moment say God you have all of me my fears my worry my failure my insecurity my past my future, everything about me, God, you've got it. I give it to you. God, I want to see again. I want to believe again. I want to trust you again. Give me courage to take a next step. Maybe you're here today. You know right now things are not right with, with you and Jesus. And the next step you need to take is to get things right. Every head bowed and eye closed. I don't want to embarrass or call you out. I want to give you an opportunity just to simply respond to the grace of God. If that's you all across this room right now, would you just stretch your hand to heaven and say, Jesus, save me, forgive me, make me brand new. I give you my life, God. Come in, change me. God bless you. God bless you. You can put it down after you raise and and church together out of your heart. Simple prayer like this. It says, Jesus, I ask you to come in to make me new. 
God, I give you my life, everything about me. I repent of my sin and I turn to you, God. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Father, I I declare over every person in this room that this is a day of victory, that, God, you are building our confidence and our strength. God, we are not going to walk in fear, but we are going to walk in faith, empowered by the Holy Spirit who lives and breathes inside of us. Jesus, we're not going to doubt your purpose or your plan, even when we don't understand, but we're going to trust you. God, I'm so humbled at the way you love us, Father. You know our mess-ups, our failures, our brokenness. And you choose to love us in spite of all that. And I pray today, God, that as we walk out of this room, that we would walk in your grace and newness of life. Pray today, God, encourage us, grow us. And right now, as we celebrate changed lives, I I just pray for every person getting baptized that today would be a faith builder in their life. We love and celebrate them today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, church.